Welcome to season two of the Hold for Release podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tim Kulik to discuss his business career, the importance of working hard, and some of the obstacles that he has overcome in the business world. He's the current chief operating officer of Red Ventures, the former director of strategic business development at Home Depot, and the former engagement manager at McKinsey and Company. He was also summa cum laude at the University of Colorado and a graduate from Harvard Business School. And of course, he also played tennis at the University of Colorado and was ranked number one in the country for his age group in 2017. I am pleased to introduce the first guest on the podcast, my father, Tim Kulik. All right. Welcome back to the Hold for Release podcast. This is the first episode of Chapter 2, which means we have some guest speakers coming in. First up is nothing but my old man, my dad, Tim Kulik. He is a graduate from the University of Colorado and Harvard Business School and is currently the Chief Operations Officer at Red Ventures. So... Uh, would you do me a favor, just introduce yourself a little bit and just kind of say, you know, who you are, what you do, and a little bit about, about yourself. Well, Kevin, thank you very much for having me on your show as your very first guest. I am honored um, and surprised that, that you actually had uh, me as your, as your first guest. So um, at any rate, I am uh, I'm honored and super proud. So Let's see. You want me to tell you a little bit about kind of how I got my career started? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hear. So just um, yeah. So kind of the starting point, like in in your high school, where where you were were in high school, and how you chose Colorado, and then uh, the different type of career paths that you had from there, and and so on. Yeah, sure. Well, I um, you know I grew up uh, outside of Chicago, a suburb of Chicago. And um, my, my dad always would take me out to Colorado to go skiing and for, for family vacations. And so I kind of got attached to that part of the country. And, um, you know, I had a couple of goals for going to college. One was I wanted to play um, college tennis. I played in high school and, and in juniors and everything. And I wanted to continue playing tennis in college. So uh, one of the criteria I used to pick schools was whether I might be able to play uh, on the team. And then the other was um, I wanted to be an architect or an architectural engineer. And so I, I chose a school uh, or selected schools that had that program. So I went around and looked at a bunch of different programs. Uh, but the one that I liked the most uh, and where I had a shot to play tennis was at the University of Colorado. So um, I got in there, uh, I walked on the tennis team um, and uh, eventually earned a scholarship. And uh, that's how I, you know, that's how I started college. Um, I started out as an engineer, an architectural engineer. And in my first semester, I realized that that wasn't quite what I wanted to do. It was more engineering and math than I thought it was going to be. So I decided to switch to business, not because I had a particular love of that, field, but really I didn't know what else I wanted to do. So I figured I'd start there and see what it's like and see if I liked it. Um, At any rate, I had a terrific experience the four years I was there, really, really enjoyed it and um, graduated summa cum laude, which is the top of the class uh, in in business 
and uh, was able to play play tennis there as well. So, um, you know, I, I was uh, worked really hard, spent you know um, a lot of time in the library and, and studying hard, and it and it paid off. Um, when I graduated, uh, my first job out of school, um, I kind of got lucky. Um, I was actually teaching tennis the summer after I graduated. Um, and one of the kids on my court uh, was the son of uh, a guy named, named Chuck Griffith, who I'll never forget, um, who worked for a, a consulting firm uh, called McKinsey and Company, which is one of the biggest and most well-known consulting firms in the country. And uh, I got to know him uh, a bit while he was, uh, his son was at the camp. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what I did to impress him, but he, um, he um, got me an interview at McKinsey in, uh, they didn't have a Denver office. They didn't have a Colorado office. So uh, he was from Cleveland. And so I went and interviewed with the Cleveland office and um, they'd never seen anybody from the university of Colorado before. They usually back then just hired from the Ivy league schools. Um, but uh, somehow I managed to impress them and uh, I got an offer and um, um that's how I started my career. Was it uh, as a as a business analyst at McKinsey and Company? Right. That's great. So, um, uh, and of, of course, you've had a couple other jobs after that. You know, Harvard. But um, quick question here. So, you know, we've talked about this many times before. Obviously, you're my dad, so we've we've discussed this. But um, a lot of people say who are very successful in business. They say it was a lot of hard work and it was a little bit of luck. Now, how does that, you know, do you feel like you kind of got maybe lucky with the tennis or uh, with the tennis relationship of his son, Mr. Griffith's son? Um, or was that, you know, everything happens for a reason, you know, how do you feel about that? Well, yes. I mean, I was, I was lucky and fortunate to be at the right place at the right time and just meeting, you know, somebody, uh, serendipitously really. Um, but you know, I would not have had a chance to get the interview if I wasn't well prepared. And, and by that, I mean, doing well in school, you know, he saw my resume, he saw my grades, you know, he talked to my coach, my coach, you know, told him what kind of person I was, you know, how I worked hard, how I was coachable, um, you know, how I, how I improved and I worked hard at, at making, you know, parts of my game better. So, you know, he took all of that into consideration and said, gosh, you know, this is a, here's a, here's a young kid who's, who's a hard worker and willing to learn and, you know, got good grades. So, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go to bat for him and take a chance. I had to earn it in the interviews. I had to do well in the interviews and improve myself there, which, which was rigorous. Um, but, um, you know, so it was a combination of, you know, I think hard work, creating opportunities and creating luck that, um, you know, worked out in the end for me. Right. So, so then, so then what happens? You're at McKinsey and then what's that process like of getting into Harvard Business School? Yeah. So, um, you know, McKinsey um, had a terrific program. It was called their business analyst program. They still have something like it today. And it was, fantastic. Um, it was two years of my life where I've never worked harder. Um, I've never learned more. 
I was exposed to some really amazing and impressive people um, who I learned a ton from. And it was the same thing, you know, um, I, I was pushed, I was challenged, you know, I didn't do anything but work for two years uh, while I was there at McKinsey. I worked hard. Um, you know, that's what I was there for. Right. And um, so, you know, I learned a lot. Uh, again, you know, it, it was able to impress some people who, again, went to bat for me, wrote letters of recommendation, called people at different graduate school programs that I had uh, applied to. And, uh, you know, was, was fortunate enough to get in to my top choice, which was, which was Harvard. So, um, you know, but again, a lot of hard work to put together all the applications to take the GMAT, study for the GMAT, you know, um, work hard at impressing people who were, you know, would take the time to, to write a letter, letters of recommendation for me, um, you know, and, 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 and go to bat for me. So, Again, hard work, but but a little bit of luck. Yep. So if you could go back, if you could do one thing differently when you were in high school, college, just out of college, or going into business school, what what's one thing that you would do differently, or um, maybe highlight that you would really do that again? Yeah, you know, um, things worked out for me well. I was not a great student in high school. Um, you know, I, I, I was pretty average. And it was because, uh, you know, I think part of it was I, I didn't push myself hard then. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really have a goal. I wanted to go to college, but I didn't have a goal of going to a top college. And I didn't really, you know, it didn't really... I guess, mattered to me in high school. Now it worked out. I got into college and when I was there, you know, I made the most of it. But, you know, I think that's one thing is in, in high school, I wish I would have had a little bit more guidance, a little bit more direction, maybe set my goals a little bit higher and aspirations a little higher. You know, like I said, I don't have regrets of that because everything's worked out for me very well. But, you know, again, had I not gotten a little bit lucky, had I not met that guy, Chuck, on the tennis court, you know, had I not gotten that interview at McKinsey, you know, had I not done well there, I may not have gotten to Harvard and, you know, I could have had a very different path. So, you know, looking back, you know, I, I wish I would have applied myself a little bit more. You know, I, I really don't have any regrets from what I did in college or at, at, at McKinsey or going to grad school. I mean, I think if I were to go back and do it again, I would have done it exactly the same way. You know, I, I, I had, I had fun. I made great friends, a lot of connections. Um, you know, I was doing what I really enjoyed in college, learning a ton. Um, I, I don't have any regrets at all about that part of my life. It was one of the most, um, you know, most exciting and energizing you know, times in my life. So it, it worked out well for me. So you were saying in high school, how you weren't the best student and, you know, what happened? Did, did you flip the switch or did something kind of motivate you and what made you keep that motivation? And is it that same type of motivation that you have today? Yeah. Um, you know, when I went to college, 
I didn't know what to expect. All that I knew is, holy cow, I got in to a school that I really wanted to go to. I made the tennis team. I, I was super motivated to stay on the team and do well. And I didn't know what to expect. I mean, all that I knew was, hey, coming out of high school, I was kind of average. And I didn't know what to expect in college. And I honestly, what motivated me more than anything was, was the fear of failing out, you know, or the fear of not getting good enough grades so that I couldn't play tennis, you know, that I wouldn't be able to play on the team. Um, that was probably the biggest motivator my first semester. You know, and again, I was an engineering major and I was in with a lot of really, really, really smart people who like, that's all they were doing was studying, you know, <laughs> that's all they did. And so, you know, I felt a lot of, I felt a lot of pressure. And, um, you know, my first semester, even though I didn't like all my classes and some of them were, were tough, you know, I got, I got straight A's. And then I thought, huh, you know, I got straight A's my first semester. Uh, I might as well try to keep it going. And, you know, so I studied hard and I set a goal that I wanted to do the same thing my second semester. And I did. And then I figured again, you know, uh, I wasn't afraid of failing out, but by then it was, huh, you know, I could really, I got a chance, you know, I got, I got a chance to be at the top of the class and I just kept it going. You know, that's what motivated me then was I saw what, what was possible and kind of had my eye on, on, on achieving that. And, um, you know, that's, that's what kept me going at that point. And I was enjoying, you know, at the same time I was, I was studying a lot, but I was still having a lot of fun doing other things outside of class. And so it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a grind for me. It was fun. It was, it was motivating. So, uh, we, we talk about this a lot at home, just having a balance of a good balance between studies and then, you know, social life going out and having fun, because that is a big thing too in life is having good social skills. Um, mm -hmm. But that, that's just a, a comment. So if I, if I were to ask you, what's a piece of advice that you were to give someone who is around, you know, a, a college student pretty much, what, what would you tell them uh, to do in order to reach you know, get that motivation or get that dream job, get into the business school that they want to met or grad school they want to. Yeah. You know, you're right. College is more than just going to class. You know, it's, it's learning how to become a, an adult. It's learning responsibility. It is learning about yourself um, and what you do like and what you don't like. It's learning about, building friendships and relationships and knowing, you know, what types of people give you energy and which types of people take it away from you. Um, so there's so much more um, to get out of school, college, than just, you know, learning, um, you know, in the classroom. Right. Um, and so, you know, it, it can be hard to find that balance. It can be hard to prioritize and to juggle, but that's part of what also what you, you learn in school. But I think it's really important when you're in school to experience all aspects to that, you know, try to 
try to learn about all of those dimensions that I mentioned. And at the same time, you know, try to figure out what you enjoy doing the most. Some people are lucky. Um, you know, they know even before they get to college what they want to be when they grow up. They're very focused. And so a lot, most people don't. You know, I didn't. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But college is, I think, a very important time to experiment and to take some risks and to try some different things. And some kids don't, you know, and I was, I guess, a little guilty of this. You know, I got so focused on grades because I was wanted to have straight A's that, you know, maybe I didn't take a couple of the classes that I wish I would have, which may have allowed me to, you know, step out a couple of lanes over from what I was comfortable with or what I was good at and learn something, you know, be challenged in a different way or, or broaden, you know, my, my experience even more, my education even more. And I guess I got a little, probably did get a little conservative and, and avoided doing that, avoided taking some of the, you know, what were notoriously tougher classes or some things that were interesting, but, you know, to me may have been riskier to my GPA. Um, but I, but I encourage, you know, people in school to don't be so focused on that. You know, what's more important for the longer term is figuring out what gets you excited. Um, you know, what, what do you really want to do and what do you don't want to do further down the road? That's, that's an important part of, of, you know, life figuring things out, um, as, as learning itself. So. So kind of following, following that up, um, you've had a number of different tasks all throughout your career. Uh, what would you say have been some of the challenges that are fun to you and that you've really enjoyed? And what are some tasks and jobs that you haven't enjoyed as much? Yeah. Um, well, there's always, always a mix of both. Um, you know, some of the funnest things are figuring out tough problems. Um, you know, not always having a clear idea what the answer is to a tough challenge, but then ultimately, you know, working hard at it, um, you know, doing, doing research, studying, problem solving, testing, experimenting, talking to other people, um, and ultimately figuring it, figuring it out. Um, you know, that's always been a fun part of, of the job of the various jobs I've had. Um, you know, working with fun people, uh, and people you like, um, you know, I, I'm very lucky that I have one of my best friends, you know, that I've been working with for the last 14 years and I've known him since graduate school. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, uh, I'm incredibly grateful and fortunate that I've been able to work with somebody who I really enjoy, uh, I respect, and we just have fun. Um, you know, so that can make a big difference. You know, who you work with, the types of people that you work with um, can make, um, you know, working at a, at, a, at a company, at a business, uh, you know, fun or not fun. 
no matter what the actual work is you're doing. Sometimes you can be doing work that's a grind, but if you're doing it with fun people, it's not so bad. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can be doing the best job in the world, something you absolutely love, but if you're doing it with people that you just don't enjoy or respect, it's awful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's another part of thinking about a job is, you know, not just the work you're doing, but what's the culture of the place like? What are the people like? Um, you know, one of the hardest things for me to, to do, which is really tough, is, you know, having to, having to let people go. You know, sometimes there are people that are just not really the material that you want on your team. Some people, you know, the toughest ones are the people that really try hard, but they just can't get the capabilities or skills that, that they really need for that role, even after you've, you know, tried to work with them and coach them. And sometimes you, you just, you have to, you know, you have to uh, do what's best for the company and do what's best for them. And, and that means, you know, going your separate ways, but having those conversations, especially with those kinds of people who are good people, hard workers, but they're just not getting the job done. That's really tough. Right. It's by far and away the absolute worst part of it, um, of, you know, of being a, a leader and a manager. Right. And, you know, that's never, never would imagine that to be an easy thing about your job. And especially as a, someone at the senior position at Red Ventures, but um, how, how about COVID? You know, I, I don't want to jump into this a ton because it's such a broad topic um, in business of you know, what happened and how it affects everything, but just in general, um, cause I remember when COVID started, that was my senior year of high school. So, and that was when you started working from home a bit. And so I was able to kind of tune in and listen every now and then on kind of the, the stuff that you would do in your day-to-day job, um, which was really cool because it's like, I'm getting to learn this stuff and I'm not even like shadowing you or anything. It just naturally soaks in <laughs> because I'm, I'm there. Um, yep. So it's really interesting. But so how did... COVID affect Red Ventures, um, and you had a pretty, a very difficult task um, in operations of, of making rules and um, abiding by those rules and what to do, what not to do for, for the company, if it's popular, if it's unpopular. How would you go about those processes of making a decision like that? Yeah, it was, you know, it was an extremely challenging time for everybody because there was no playbook for this. You know, the world hadn't seen a pandemic before. Nobody knew what was going to happen. That's the hardest part of, of, of leadership and figuring things out is trying to come up with answers when you have no idea what the future is going to look like, um, you know, or how long it's going to last. And, you know, people were impacted in, in a number of different ways. When you've got people that respond different ways, you have some people that just absolutely, um, you know, it, it just, it was extremely difficult for them, you know, to, to deal with and do their jobs when, 
you know, they're stuck in an apartment, it's a really small apartment with, you know, other roommates and pets and things, you know, trying to, trying to do their jobs. That's really tough. Right. Some people were alone by themselves and couldn't get out. You know, that was difficult. And then you had other people who, you know, they actually liked it. They were more introverted. They, their jobs didn't require a lot of collaboration with other people and they actually really enjoyed it. So you had people that responded in different ways, um, you know, and, and, uh, really have different needs. So, you know, we did a lot of, of listening, you know, we had always set a, um, you know, prioritized our employees health and safety above all else. That's what mattered most. Um, and that guided a lot of our decision-making, you know, and choices about what to do in the face of all this uncertainty, when you can point to something and say, you know what, X is most important. People's health and safety is most important. Um, you know, taking care of our folks is by far and away more important than the the results we're going to get short term and the impact it's going to have on the business short term. We'll get through that, but you know, we we need to be true to our people. So it was, um, you know, it was a, it was a challenging time to to kind of figure it out. Um, and you just, you know, you, you communicate uh, with, with your people. Um, when you know an answer or you have an answer, you, you share it. When you don't, you let them know you don't, but you'll let them know when you do have an answer. You know, so I think being transparent and honest, which is also the, the path we decided to take and over communicate um, served us really well through it all. Right. Now, <laughs> In general, when COVID first started and everything that was announced online, it was the, all right, two weeks at home, you know, it's, it's a change, it's whatever. After a while, people hated being at home, the, the cabin fever, and they wanted to go back to the office so badly. And then as time goes on, you, we naturally adapt into that, you know, we get comfortable. Mm -hmm. So when you were to announce that people can come back to the office, should come back to the office or, you know, appropriately vaccinated and whatnot. Um, I'm sure some of the reactions were negative of, Oh, I like working from home because it's easier. Yada, yada, yada. So, you know, it, and it's a long-term thing getting everyone back to the offices. School, some schools are still online and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, what do you say to people who are very, who are very much refusing to go back um, because they're just so comfortable with how they've adapted to online working? Yeah. Well, we're trying to give people a little bit more flexibility, more flexibility um, because we, we do realize, um, you know, and, and I, I feel exactly the same way. You know, there are some things, uh, you know, some parts of your job that, honestly are just easier and you're more productive when you have some quiet heads downtime, you know, when you can do that away from the office and you're not distracted, you know, sometimes you just need some quiet time to think and to prioritize. Um, you know, um, other parts of the job though do require in-person interaction, you know, 
brainstorming sessions, problem solving sessions, you know, larger meetings, um, you know, connecting with, with your colleagues, those are difficult to do remotely. Um, so, you know, we've tried to give people flexibility to work in a way that is most effective for them, you know, balancing those various needs. Um, we do have some people that, you know, they are primarily individual contributors and, you know, don't need to do a lot, have a lot of interaction with other people. You know, we have, we have people that are, are journalists that write articles, they're writers or they're copy editors. And, you know, they can do a lot of their work remotely. And so they have more flexibility to work remotely than some other positions. Um, you know, at the end of the day, though, part of what has made our company successful has been the culture and it's getting to know other people and getting to know what their, those jobs entail and how, you know, my job interacts or affects others. And that's much easier to do when you're in person, as opposed to trying to do it over zoom. So, you know, even if folks can be effective at home, we still encourage them to, you know, get to know their peers, get to know their colleagues, um, get to know what other people in the company do, build those relationships and help build a, a strong culture, right. which, is, which is important for the overall health of the company and the better the company. Yeah. Another thing you mentioned earlier was uh, distractions at home and um, how hard it is to work through distractions. And you know what? Even just talking right now, and these walls in my apartment are so thin <laughs> and I can hear my roommates playing video games in the other room. Just, and it's like, it's so distracting. And I can't even imagine, you know, with multiple kids and, and everything going on in a super small place trying to get work done. So yeah, uh, I, my, a lot of respect to the people who, who were able to do that. So, but, um, so you, you've worked with, a lot of amazing people, you know, uh, throughout your career. And whether that was in, at Harvard Business School or, or, or after, but I want to know, how do you compare yourself to other people? Um, a lot of, a lot of people are in a race just for money or for success or just for, you know, in some cases, fame. Um, knowing you, I know you're, you're not like that, but kind of more on a micro level, how are you different than a lot of people? Well, I, I, you know, I, I don't compare myself to others. I don't, that's not the way I think that's not the way I'm wired. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think if, I think if you do, you're always going to let yourself down. You're always going to have a deflated sense because there's always somebody out there that's better than you at something. Right. Always. I don't care, you know, what, what it is, whether you're, you know, a business person or, you know, an expert in a particular field or, you know, on the tennis court, there's always somebody who's better than you. And if you're trying to compare yourself to them, you're always going to, you know, feel insufficient, I guess. So right. I don't think about it that way. You know, yeah. I, I just think about, Hey, how can I give 110% every day? You know, what can I do to get better? 
what do I need to do to improve? How can I be a better leader for the people that are also, you know, on my teams coming in and giving 110%? What do they need from me? So, you know, that's how I look at it is listening to that, listening to other people, give me feedback on um, where I need to do better, what I need to keep doing that I'm doing well. And, you know, just try to give my very best shot each and every day. Right. And sometimes it falls short. You know, sometimes I didn't do a good job. But I know at the end of the day, if I look in the mirror and I, and I say, you know, hey, did I give it 110%? Maybe it didn't go great. Maybe it wasn't the best that anybody had ever seen. But if it was the best that I could do, at the end of the day, you know, looking in the mirror, I'll be satisfied. Right. Maybe some other people won't, but you know what? I gave it my all and that's as good as I can do. And as long as I know that, um, you know, that's my benchmark. And as long as I know that, then, then I'm, you know, I'm happy at the end of the day. It's, it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, reason I asked that question is I've in my free time every now and then I'll like to look up certain people, you know, experts in, in certain industries. And when they talk about their life, they say, well, every morning I wake up at, at 5am on the dot. I do this. I meditate for how long. Yeah. 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 Everyone has a different routine. So, and I'm just curious because it's, it's very intriguing to see, um, you know, how the mind works for people who are at that level. Um, and everyone's different. Everyone has a, a different mentality. Some people think what drives me and what makes me different is that um, I want to outwork everyone. I want to be better than everyone else. Um, but you, from, from that answer, it's, it's like a you versus, not a you versus yourself, but you don't compare yourself to others. You, you match your own energy pretty much, um, which is very neat. Mm -hmm. Um, so, all right. I, I've got a couple more, a couple more things here. All right. Um, so you are the, the number one tennis player in the nation for your age, for what, what, what was it? 45 and, and up? Well, that was a few years ago. Yes. Um, so that was, uh, let's see, it was 2017 and I was, um, in the 45 and, and, and older age division for the U S. Um, and yeah, so, um, I, I had a good year. I, I had, um, I wasn't, I really didn't set a goal to, to be the, get a top ranking. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to go out and play a few tournaments. I don't have a whole lot of time to play tournaments, but, you know, I picked a few tournaments that year that I wanted to play and, um, you know, was going to give it my all and see how I did and ended up winning, uh, all three of those tournaments and, um, yeah, ended up, you know, for, for a period of time, as the, number one without even trying pretty much well you know <laughs> i did it, it wasn't like i just you know dusted off the racket and went out there and played and and won i mean i i had i had worked hard to get in shape i had um you know i had some 
some really good fortune in you know having some uh, great practice partners, including you know a former a former pro and Hall of Famer, you know getting ready for a tournament, um, you know to to get me tuned up. So I went into the the national tournament feeling very 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 good and confident after um, you know getting a chance to practice with somebody who was you know, the very top in the world. So, um, you know, I was definitely well prepared. I didn't expect to win the tournament. I was not seated going in. I mean, I, I didn't have a ranking going into that tournament. Um, but, you know, I was prepared and, and I did, I was confident going in and, you know, certainly built confidence as I went yeah. on through the tournament. So, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was a, that was a, a fun experience. That was, you know, certainly a, a highlight for me in tennis. I mean, you know, I played college tennis, but I was never, never top in the country. I didn't go to the NCAA tournament or anything like that. I never played the top, you know, top line on my team. Um, but, you know, over the years I've stayed in shape, you know, Charlotte has a wonderful tennis community with a lot of great former college players of all ages it's just a great ecosystem and a lot of fun and um you know it helps when you get a chance to you know to practice with with a group of of folks that are competitive and and good it makes you better so that's good so all right last question here for you so um what has tennis taught you in business and in life in general What's the, what are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned from this sport? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I think it's, it's practice, you know, practice over time makes you better. Um, it's having an ecosystem of other really great, um, you know, players around you makes you better and pushes and challenges you, challenges you. I mean, you know, I first came to Charlotte, you know, I could play, but I've gotten better and better every year. And it's because, you know, I've been able to, to play with this group of folks and, you know, kind of earn the right to play with the the next (laughs) level up each time. Um, You know, so when you practice hard, uh, when you, uh, surround yourself with folks who are going to push and challenge you. That makes you better. It's obvious, but it's true. Um, you know, the other thing that tennis has taught me, I guess, about life is, um, you know, um, how to problem solve. Uh, you know, when you're out on the court and you're facing somebody that you've never played before, you know, they may have a different style of play and, Maybe it doesn't match up really well with yours and you got to figure out how to, how to deal with that. You got to figure out how to find a way to make it work and pivot and be adaptable, uh, figure out how to use your strengths and, and kind of neutralize your weaknesses. So that's another thing. You know, I mean, the other thing with tennis too is it's an individual sport and there are ups and downs, you know, you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days and you can't rely on a team because it's just you out there on the court and you know, you got to figure out how to get through the bad days. You got to get, figure out how to get through the days when you're not playing well, 
you got to figure out how to get over the losses that you have. You know, sometimes you're going to have a bad loss and you got to put it behind you. And, you know, tomorrow's a new day and, and uh, take what you learned from that loss, that experience and, you know, use it to motivate you, use it to inspire you, not let you down, right. um, bounce back. So, you know, resiliency as well. So it's, it's tennis has been great for me. Uh, it's been a great outlet, you know, to keep me in shape. It's been great for my mental health. It's been challenging. It's been, you know, a great source of friendships. Um, so I, I, I'm very thankful I've, I've had that in my life and I hope I can keep playing. You know, I see these guys that are playing these tournaments and they're, you know, when they're 85 and 90 and I hope that's me one day. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, thank you very much for, for coming on. I really appreciate the time taking it out of your weekend. So really means a lot. Um, I really do appreciate it. And learned a lot from this, even though I've spent my entire life with you and learning from you. I, there are definitely a couple of things that I didn't know. So learn something new every day. <laughs> it's great, great to learn from you. Definitely a great person to learn from. Well, thanks. Well, you know, I would do anything for you and, um, uh... This has been a lot of fun, and I appreciate you having me on your show, Kevin. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, I'm very, you know, <laughs> expect some fan mail pretty soon. <laughs> I hope so. I yeah, hope so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thanks,